0: Galatians chapter 1 verses 11 to chapter 2 verse 16. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it it and said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, Perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. Uh, I probably should have dug through my photo album and put up a photo for this, but I'm going to tell you about my first car. First car that I ever had, let's let's take some guesses. Who's wanted to guess what sort of car I had was my first one? Nobody wants to guess. Jeremy? The one that you still have. No, no. Does it look that old and tattered? Goodness me, the one that I first had, no. Okay, my first car was a WB Holden Ute. Um, Should have guessed it, shouldn't it? Because all country lads back in that era, that's what they wanted to have back in the day. Unless, of course, you're a Ford person and we don't talk about those. Uh, But of course, being a young fella, I I did a few things to this Ute. so that it didn't look the same as everybody else's, right? So put a bull bar on it and a good set of driving lights and, and put a big stick UHF aerial behind the cab. Everybody else had them on the bull bar. I put mine behind the cab, it looked really good. And put a bunch of stickers on the back window. It's starting to sound like a country lad's ute. But then I had a sticker on the inside that I put um, just near the glove box, right in front of the where the passenger would be sitting. And that sticker said, Passengers ride in this vehicle at their own risk, as the driver could disappear at any moment. And of course, that was referring to the pre-tribulation rapture, uh, a belief that is very strongly held in the United States that, that before the big trouble begins and before the Great Tribulation, all the Christians are going to be snatched out of the world, and, and we won't have to go through this Great Tribulation. Um, If you've ever read some of the uh, books, you know, the Left Behind series, you know what they're talking about. Uh, By the way, they're fiction. They're not true. They're fiction. Um, And when I was 17 or 18 years old, that was the most predominant teaching coming out of the big-name churches and coming from the popular preachers in the United States. And I just accepted it as a given. It seemed to be what everybody believed. I don't believe that anymore. You see, as I read my Bible and as I studied God's word, I could not get around the fact that so much of the New Testament was preparing the people of God to be able to go through the persecutions and to endure through the great tribulation. And so I investigated it a bit further and I discovered that throughout the centuries, the Christian church had always understood that Christians are gonna go through this period of tribulation. And it was only since the 1800s that this view became popular. And it became popular because a certain Bible was published. We have study Bibles today, right, with Bible notes and stuff. But a certain study Bible was published back then called the Schofield Bible, which introduced this teaching. Uh, Before then, that view had almost no traction but because down the bottom of people's Bibles, it was saying this is what this passage means, that's all of a sudden what people started believing. And now, if we step forward to today, at least in the United States, if you don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, at best, you're thought of as strange. At worst, you're thought of as a heretic. Now, I'm telling you this not because today's reading has anything at all to do with the rapture, whether it be pre-tribulation or post-tribulation. I'm telling you this because this was the best example that I could think of to share with you one of my failings, how for a time I let the prevailing popular view shaped what I believed rather than the word of God. You see, as I was studying for this reading for today, What kept coming through to me is it is so important that we listen to the word of God rather than listening to the teachings of men. It is so easy for our theology and for our understanding of God and of the gospel to be shaped and formed by the views and opinions of those who are around us and particularly the prominent people around us and to be shaped by those we listen to rather than being shaped by the word of God itself. And even the apostle Peter found himself in that position. God had very clearly shown Peter that he was to fellowship with the Gentiles. And this was was a hard learning for Peter, right? Peter grew up as a good Jewish lad and, and he was thoroughly Jewish. And so he thought of the Gentiles as these unclean people and, oh, I can't, I can't fellowship with them. They're unclean. And, and I can't, definitely can't eat the tucker that the Gentiles are eating because I have to eat the kosher foods and stuff. And, um, but Peter got a direction from God that, Peter, you have got to stop thinking like that because you're going to have to fellowship with these Gentile Christians and even eat with them. And so God gave him this teaching in Acts chapters 10 and 11, we can read about it, how at the direction of God, he went to the house of this bloke by the name of Cornelius, who is a Gentile. And there he preached the gospel and the Gentiles believed. And to Peter's shock, they were filled with the Holy Spirit even before they were baptised, even before they'd stopped eating their unclean foods, even before they'd stopped being Gentiles and become Jewish. And Peter returned to Jerusalem and he told the, the big wigs there at Jerusalem all about this. But, but there was a group there who were very unhappy with Peter. The circumcision party, they're called. Um, or the Judaizers, we might call them. And what they, they were very unhappy with Peter because, Peter, you've, you've gone and you've been with the Gentiles, those unclean people. And you've been eating with them? That's just not on. But Peter stood his ground. And he gave the testimony to these people about the works that God had done there amongst the Gentiles. And we're told there in Acts chapter 11 that even the circumcision party rejoiced. And they said, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Is anyone excited about that? Is anyone excited that to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Neil's excited. Do we have any advance on Neil? Scott's excited. And we've got a third one over here. I need an auctioneer over here, a spotter. So right, well, I'll go with three excited people because if this didn't happen, right, if, if the Gentiles didn't also get granted repentance that leads to life, are there any Jewish people here? Nobody Jewish? Not a one. It means we're all Gentiles. That's why it's good news for us. All right, so God had shifted Peter from his attitude, oh, I can't go to the Gentiles, they're unclean. He shifted Peter to the position where he went to the Gentiles. He would fellowship with the Gentiles. He would eat with the Gentiles. And this was at the word of God that he did this. But then later on, Peter was influenced by the teaching of the Judaizers and he began to withdraw from fellowshipping with the Gentiles. Peter's theology and his understanding of the gospel had been influenced in a negative way by others. He'd listened to men instead of listening to the word that he'd received direct from the mouth of God. Now, When I first started reading this passage for today I I got be really upfront I I really struggled with this reading I'll tell you why because to me Paul sounded so arrogant Paul saying I didn't go looking for teaching from any of the other apostles I didn't look for teaching about the gospel from anybody else I just got it straight from the mouth of Jesus now if anyone was just to say that to me today, alarm bells would be ringing, right? If somebody becomes a Christian and goes, yeah, but I, I, don't want to, I don't want to learn anything from, from anybody else about God. I'm just going to discover it all for myself. Alarm bells would be ringing. This, this person's a crazy, right? Uh, they think that they know all about God and they're too arrogant to come under the teaching of, of anyone who's been walking with Jesus for decades. But then I understood, so I, I felt... This is what Paul was radiating, this arrogance. But then I understood what Paul is trying to tell us. And we talked about this a bit last week about how Paul was an apostle, you see. The Lord Jesus Christ did come to Paul. And Jesus did reveal the gospel to Paul. Right? So Paul is an apostle, he has received the word direct from the mouth of Jesus himself. I'm not an apostle. I haven't heard the word direct from the mouth of Jesus himself. I depend on the testimony of the apostles that we find in the scriptures. And you're not an apostle. And neither is any wacko crazy person today who wants to make up their own version of the gospel. And this, in this way, Paul was stood apart. And Paul tells us that for three years, he headed off to Arabia. Uh, by the way, the Arabia that Paul's talking about isn't what we know as Arabia today. Um, the, all the Bible scholars believe it was most likely the kingdom of Nabatea, uh, which is just south of Damascus. But he headed off to what he called Arabia for three years. And many people I've heard say, actually just about every time that I've heard anyone speak on this passage, that they will give an, or talk about the training of Paul preparing for ministry, they say this was a retreat for Paul. They say Paul went out into the wilderness for three years and there he searched the scriptures and there he learned all about Christianity. Um, Now, that's a good thought, but the problem is the Bible actually doesn't say that. What the Bible does say is that Jesus told Paul to go and preach to the Gentiles and he heads off to Arabia. Guess what's in Arabia? Gentiles. So what do you think Paul might be doing there? I think he's probably preaching. Um, Now, I have no doubt that he was studying the scriptures. I have no doubt that he was learning all that he could about the Messiah, but I'm pretty sure that he wasn't there as a retreat to train before he started preaching. I'm pretty sure this is something he was doing at the same time. And I want you to know today If God is calling you to Bible college to prepare for a life of ministry, don't ever think of that as being a retreat. It's not going to be a retreat where you just go and train and you stop serving God for three years while you get ready. Because if God is calling you to preach, then preach you will even while you're training and while you're studying. Anyway... It was three years of preaching the gospel before Paul finally went to Jerusalem and caught up with Cephas. Um, Has anyone ever heard of Cephas? Who's Cephas? Doug's smiling, you know who he is. Peter, that's right. So Cephas is is the Jewish name of Peter. Yeah. Uh, The only other apostle that he happened to catch up with that time was James, the brother of Jesus. But he spent 15 days with Peter. And then he went back to preaching to the Gentiles again, because that's what Paul was called to do. And so that's what he did. And he tells us that it was after 14 years of following Jesus and preaching the gospel that Paul finally went to check out that he was on the right track. And so he gets together with what he calls the pillars of the church, James. Cephas and John right these these three were the ones who seemed to be recognized as the the leaders in the church Paul calls them the pillars and of course Cephas is Peter and at that visit it all went very well Paul told them what he had been preaching to the Gentiles and told them how the Gentiles had been responding and told them what God had been doing amongst them and they agreed yep that's the gospel and even Titus, a Gentile who was with Paul, they didn't say, oh, you need to go and get circumcised, Titus. They didn't say any of that. They were happy with everything that he was doing. He says that even these influential ones, these pillars of the church, didn't add anything to him. In other words, they didn't feel the need to correct him. They didn't feel the need to say, well, listen, Paul, you, you, you're trying really hard, but you're actually not quite right here. Maybe you should just adjust, adjust the way you're preaching a bit. And they didn't say, well, everything you're saying is good, but you're missing an important element here, and you should also add this to your gospel message. They didn't do that. They didn't add anything to him. In fact, they affirmed him that he should be preaching to the Gentiles. Just as Peter was called to preach to the Jews, Paul was called to preach to the Gentiles, and it's the same Holy Spirit who is at work in both of them. The same Holy Spirit is the one who is enabling Peter to preach to the Jews and it was the same Holy Spirit who is enabling Paul to preach to the Gentiles. And Paul says in verse 10, the only thing that they did ask was that we would remember the Paul and we're very eager to do that. And he did remember the Paul. In a number of Paul's letters, we can see discussion about him taking up a collection to take back to Jerusalem. You see the Christians in Jerusalem were suffering terribly. Um, they're basically starving because they're being persecuted so severely. They're copying it from all sides. And he did remember the Paul. And it seems that, that Paul's message to the Gentile Christians wasn't that they should be separate but that they were brothers and sisters in Christ with the Jews, with the Jewish Christians, and they are to be cared for. See, I don't think this was merely a matter of, oh, just remember to care for the poor. I think this was a matter for, remember the poor in us. Remember your fellowshipping with us. Remember there is no Jew or Gentile. We are together the children of God. And so they had that habit of, They would take up collection and take it back to Jerusalem to share with the Christians who were really doing it tough there. And if you want to know more about how the pillars of the church handled this whole discussion um, and the decision they came to, you can read Acts chapter 15. Or I gave a message on it some time ago. You can go to our website, www.bushdisciples.church, and you'll find that message on Acts chapter 15. Anyway, the outcome of that visit was they wrote a letter that was to be sent to all of the Gentile churches. And it said this, Acts chapter 15. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Now, that's a, that's a rather simple letter. Um, it's not particularly onerous with any requirements that the Jews were putting upon the Gentiles. And basically it's saying you don't need to keep all of the Jewish works of the law. Just do these few things so that you don't offend people. And just don't eat meat that's been sacrificed to an idol. And we hear in other parts of the New Testament why that is. It's because if they eat meat that's been sacrificed to an idol, coming out of that idol worship background, to them it's still worshipping an idol. And so don't do it. And it's not hard not to eat the blood. And that's something that's really going to offend the Jews amongst you. Don't do that. Now, that was a very simple, very life-giving letter. And Peter was involved in writing that letter. But something changed in Peter. Now, I hope you never take delight when a Christian gets it wrong. Uh, But I actually do take some comfort here that even the one whom Jesus chose to be the leader of his church, the Apostle Peter, he wasn't perfect. And Peter sometimes let Jesus down. Do you take comfort in that? It's a strange question to ask, I know. But I do I'll tell you why. It's because I know that I let Jesus down at times, more often than what I wish I did. And when I do, I find myself feeling I'm not worthy to even be a disciple of Jesus, let alone a minister or a pastor or a preacher or a teacher. Do you ever feel like that? Some of you do. Well, I want you to hear this and know this and take this to heart even the Apostle Peter let Jesus down here right we're not alone we're not the only ones who failed Jesus even the great Apostles did so much so that Paul felt that he needed to oppose him to his face say, you've got this wrong Peter what on earth are you doing you see Peter he was going great guns But when certain influential men came to town, he drew back from the Gentiles. he separated himself from the Gentiles because he feared what other people might think. He feared what, what the circumcision party would think about him. And then that set the scene. When someone as respected as Peter drew back, others followed suit. And this, my friends, is the danger when we listen to men instead of listening to God. There's a strange worldwide phenomenon that's been going on for years, but I think it's becoming more prevalent as the world's getting smaller through through communications and stuff. Um, It's where a celebrity preacher might come up with a certain teaching which might quite misrepresent the scriptures, but then other preachers latch hold of it and think, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I like the sound of that. And so then they regurgitate it. And then other people hear it, and they regurgitated it as well. And before long, this is a new teaching which is spreading throughout the world, and people are going, it must be right, everybody's teaching this. And it seems to me that people never look into their Bibles to see, well, actually, is it true? And it starts out with one man, and it becomes something which keeps getting regurgitated, and it makes a, it can have an enormous influence on a large segment of the church and there, before long a large segment of the church is believing something which actually isn't the teachings of Jesus um, and isn't what the Apostles taught. Why? Because countless preachers have listened to man and not checked with God's Word to see that it's true. And I hope that you never take anything I say as gospel truth before you check it up in God's word. Now, I know that I'm not a celebrity preacher. I know what I say here isn't gonna spread across the world like wildfire. But my hope is that every one of you, don't take my word for it. When I give a message, even today, my prayer is that you'll go home today and that you'll reread that Bible passage and think, you know, is, Mike, is what Michael actually taught today, was that actually true? And that you don't just do it today, you do it every day. See, I know that I'm not perfect. I do the best that I can to teach the biblical truth. But if Peter could get it wrong, so can I. You need to know that. I'm very aware of that. And so I pray that we as a church will become more and more like the Berean church. We can read about them in Acts. Um, When the Bereans heard the word that, that Paul preached, they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So don't just take my word for it. Go back to the word of God and check it out. And no matter how grand the preacher is, no matter how popular the preacher is, No matter how influential the preacher is, do not be influenced by men. Hold firm to the word of God. Now, for Paul and Peter, the very thing that was at stake here was the gospel itself. You see, the whole works of the law attitude that the circumcision party had misses the point that we're all sinners. And for us to understand this, we've got to get some kind of idea of the Jewish mindset, right? So, in their way of thinking, they had been brought up to understand that we, the Jews, we are the righteous sons of Abraham, and the Gentiles are the sinners. But Paul says, if you have that, basically what he's saying is, if you have that attitude, then you're missing the point because we know that a person is not justified by works of the law but through faith in Jesus Christ so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one will be justified right so that calls into question their whole attitude If their whole attitude is, we are the righteous sons of Abraham because we've been following God and the Gentiles, they're the sinners. But Paul's reminding them here that no one is justified apart from Christ. No one is justified by works of the law. And so in Christ, we are all on an equal footing. Isn't that good? In Christ, we're all on an equal footing. You know, and some people, they might come to church and look around and go, oh, that, that person there, they're such, a, they're such a good Christian, and they come from the right stock. And you know what? Some of us have come from good Christian families where we might have had generations of, of believers serving God, loving God with a whole being. Some of us come from broken homes, from generations of unbelievers. Some of us, before we were saved, may have been highly regarded in the community. Others, before we were saved, might have been pretty much despised. We might have been in the local lockup a number of times. Some of us have come from a position of wealth. Others of us have come from a long line of battlers who have lived in poverty. But the one thing that we all have in common is we are justified in Christ Jesus. Not by our background, not by who we were in the past or how we behaved in the past, but we come together and we are justified by believing in Christ Jesus. Because the works of the law will justify no one. Our background, our upbringing will justify none of us every one of us are totally dependent upon Christ that's what was at stake when when Paul stood up to Peter and reminded him not to listen to man but but obey God listen to God and for the gospel to endure today we also must not listen to man but obey God because the wonderful, life-giving, pure gospel its perfect, just the way that God delivered it. Why would we ever need to tweak the gospel? Why would we ever feel the need to adjust it a little bit to make it a bit more palatable or, or just change the message a little bit so that it's not quite, quite so offensive? Why would we ever feel the need to do this? because the gospel as God delivered it. The gospel, as it's revealed in the word of God itself, it can't be improved on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the pure gospel, that by works of the law, no one will be justified, that by faith in Jesus Christ, we are justified and forgiven and restored to relationship with you. Lord, what a wonderful, life-giving gospel. Lord, we pray that you would help us, by your Holy Spirit, to be able to discern truth in your word. Lord, help us to test the teaching that comes from men, that we would know what is true and what is false. Lord, even when the influential and when the popular and when the respected are the ones who bring a message, help us to not just blindly accept the teachings of man, but to hold firm to your gospel, even when it's not the popular way. But Lord, let us never be filled with pride and that we would humble ourselves before you and accept even what is difficult to accept in your word, knowing that you are Lord and it's your truth that gives life in Jesus' name. Amen.